And welcome, I am Brett Witterbull. It is Devious Motives, episode number seven, season number three. Great to be here with you on this beautiful day across the United States of America. Now, how do I know it's a beautiful day where you are? Because we are living in the land of freedom and liberty. And that's a hugely important blessing that we need to remember no matter what. As much as we uh, go at it politically and we try to throw down and have fights and all that kind of stuff, the reality is uh, we're, we're really blessed to be in this country. I mean, my gosh. What are the odds? I, I say this and people, they kind of roll their eyes at me, but I say, what are the odds you're born at this time, in this place, in this country? I mean, it's really it's, uh, trillions and trillions to one. Yeah, you could have been uh, dinosaur food a long time ago, but I digress. And uh, the, the politicking is uh, coming fast and furiously. Coming up uh, later on uh, in this episode, I, I've got a conversation I did with Ward Connerly. Ward Connerly is um, an African-American businessman, uh, former University of California regent. Uh, this is a very, very serious man who takes issues of opportunity very, very seriously. He's a conservative thinker, was based in California, as you might imagine, being a regent in the uh, UC system. And he has uh, brought a case to the Supreme Court, uh, along with a group of other folks, who are suing over affirmative action because of the denial of Asian students to be admitted to Harvard and some of the other elite colleges and universities. And so uh, I think he is terrific to have on here to share with us his personal experience. He was born in the Jim Crow uh, South in Louisiana, and he's going to talk about why it's important for people to have opportunity. And I think it's absolutely uh, a terrific conversation, one that I think you're going to uh, enjoy in a lot of ways. But we begin with uh, the heavy-duty politicking of the day. Democrat uh, Tim Ryan and uh, Republican J.D. Vance, they had their debate last night uh, in Ohio. And uh, Tim Ryan, you know, he's, he's, he's making, making a lot of racket uh, as it relates to, to MAGA Republicans and all that sort of stuff. And look, I understand why that's the case. I, I get it. I, I sincerely do understand and I get why it is. Uh, folks are so excited and outraged. It's because you have a lot of pressure on the Democratic Party. And remember, Tim Ryan, I think, has been in the House for 20 years. I think he's a 10-term Democrat congressman who ran, tried to run for president back in 2020, was rebuffed, came up short. Uh, this guy has been trying to get out of the House of Representatives uh, for at least a couple of cycles, and he hopes that he will become a senator from the state of Ohio. And I, I don't know what that race is going to hold or portend. I don't know what that's going to end up looking like. Uh, he may very well win. But uh, the fact of the matter is you got J.D. Vance and you got him, and they're, they're, they're going at it pretty good. The Republicans appear to have a fairly decent chance in the state uh, of Ohio. If you take a look at some of those polling numbers uh, as of today, uh, let's take a quick look at the uh, at the Senate side of things. Ron Johnson leads by almost three points. Maggie Hassan in New Hampshire is up by five points. In Arizona, Mark Kelly continues to hold on to a lead of four points. Nevada, Paul Laxalt, that would be a pure pickup. Uh, Republican, he's up by 2.1. Uh, Fetterman in Pennsylvania is up by three. Bud up by one and a half. And then you get into the races like Warnock and Vance. Vance is leading in Ohio. Warnock is ahead by 3.8. Uh, and then you, you take a look at the rest of the stuff uh, that's in there uh, happening. And, you know, it's going to all depend on turnout, right? It's going to depend on turnout and uh, what it is that folks are going to be driven to the 
ballot box by is it abortion is it the border uh is it a combination of those things i continue to assess and assert by the way because i can do that at the same time i can assess and assert uh that i think abortion is being overmeasured. i think the border and crime is being undermeasured in terms of impact even crazy james carville who was yelling and screaming about ron DeSantis last week uh seems to have growing concerns as it relates to the abortion issue uh, in in the in the broader race across the country, here's the thing that's going to do in the border uh, the um, the abortion issue more than anything else. Since the Dobbs decision, there have been abortions that have been provided. So it's not like Democrats can run around and liberals and libertarians can all run around and say, hey, hey, wait, 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 the abortion has been turned off. There's no abortion available. There's abortions have been going on. Abortions have been going on. I mean, in in California, you've got Gavin Newsom, that weirdo, uh, coming out and yelling and screaming about uh, come to California, and get an abortion, come to California, get an abortion and then get uh, carjacked on your way to the airport. Because, I mean, it's a it's a it's an absolute hellscape of crime. Um, I saw a warning come through from one of my friends. They received it uh, from uh, from folks there at LAX and they're warning people do not park your car at LAX because in the span of 30 minutes, you will lose your catalytic converter. And losing your catalytic converter is devastation writ large uh, there in the state of California. Because, I mean, Gavin Newsom will personally deploy a Merrick Garland SWAT team to uh, really, really wreck your life if you don't have that catalytic converter. Uh, so we've got um, we've got a lot of stuff we're taking a look at here. Uh, here's something that I think is uh, is particularly interesting. Check this out. There was never in agreement for El Paso to send asylum seekers here. We've never told them, please send us your asylum seekers. That has never happened. We would never do that. We have our own issue here. And we have really, when you look at it, as has been reported, New York State has uh, some of the largest numbers of asylum seekers. We are doing our share. You know who that is? That's uh, Mayor Adams of New York. We don't have an agreement with El Paso to send these migrants here, says uh, Eric Adams. Wait a minute, you're a sanctuary city. That's as good as advertising to the people of El Paso that um, you're open for business when it comes to the migrant world. Now you don't like migrants? Oh, no, no, no. Hey, don't, don't get us wrong, man. We, we got, we're taking our own fair share of migrants, man. We got tons of migrants here. We, we, don't, we, we got our own migrants. I mean, my gosh, no, no, no. We don't need El Paso migrants. We need the other migrants. That's right. We got other migrants. That's what's so incredible about this. Give me a break, Eric Adams. What, what is wrong with you? We got a migrants up to here. We've got a bumper crop of migrants. <laughs> maybe, maybe you should go call Nancy Pelosi because she seems to think that she can put them to work in her vineyards. But um, he, he continues uh, to talk about the stresses of uh, Gotham as it relates to the migrants who did not get permission to come here, even though we're a sanctuary city in a sanctuary state in a sanctuary part of the country. Uh, this is getting really, really thick here, folks, if you if you dig what I mean. And so there was never that agreement. And uh, El Paso, the city manager, the mayor, uh, they should uh, stop sending buses to New York. New York cannot accommodate the number of buses that we have uh, coming here to our city. I think that uh, it's, it's crucial for us to get that accurate because we don't want to send a signal out there that New York is telling any municipality 
that we could accommodate the influx of asylum seekers uh, that we uh, that we're talking that we we were talking about. Wait, 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 Your Honor, His Honor, Mayor Adams, do you have a thing? Do you have a thing with black and brown people? Is that why it is? Is it? I mean, I've. Is there is there racism involved here? Are you guys just like not happy? I mean, because you don't give us a real reason. You just don't want them there. But you're not actually giving the American people a reason why they shouldn't be sent your way. You have a lot of assets. You've got international airports. You've got the United Nations. Uh, here's what I think. I think Eric Adams ought to enter an agreement with the people that have the United Nations uh, seats and make sure that these folks are going to be taken care of by their home country in New York City. Not going to be hard to find people that are that that are based there. You've got the Guatemalan de uh, delegation at the UN. You've got the Nicaragua. You've got Venezuela. We had 164 countries sending migrants to our to our place. Uh, I think each of those delegations ought to be sponsoring. You know, five six hundred, maybe a thousand each. That's 160 thousand you could handle right there, Mr. Mayor. It's not going to happen. You know, it's not going to happen. I know it's not going to happen because that's just all wishful thinking. All right, let me go to the Ward Connerly uh, component. I, I was going to play you. I could play you, Vice President Harris, on the overnight shows. But do you raise your hand if you really want to hear from Vice? You don't want to hear from Vice President Harris. I, I know you don't. And you don't really want me talking to you about Hunter Biden, do you? Do you want to hear about Hunter? I think you want to hear about this case that Ward Connerly is bringing to the SCOTUS. And I think this is pretty darn cool. This is pretty darn cool. Because it goes to show the system does still work. As much as people get angry and aggravated and all that kind of stuff, the system does still work. We can still bring lawsuits um, to to end government uh, abuse type things, right? We don't we don't need we don't need uh, to uh, to just yell and scream and march around. I mean, there there is actually a way to redress grievances here. So let me share with you the, the backdrop of this, and I'm gonna let you hear my conversation with Ward Connolly. So the Supreme Court announced earlier this year that they would hear a challenge to affirmative action at harvard and the university of north carolina court's new conservative supermajority may be skeptical of admissions programs take into account uh to uh foster uh, diversity right so the supreme court agreed and the arguments are going to be heard very very soon to decide whether or not race race conscious admissions programs at harvard and unc are lawful the court repeatedly upheld similar programs most recently in 2016, but the court's membership has tilted right in recent years. Its new conservative supermajority is almost certain to view the challenged programs with skepticism. Affirmative action has uh, repeatedly been administered last rights during the last five decades, said Justin Driver, law professor at Yale. But these two cases unmistakably pose the gravest threats. So the case against Harvard accuses it of discriminating against Asian American students by using a subjective standard to gauge traits like likability, courage and kindness and by effectively creating a ceiling for Asian students. The lawyers for Harvard said the challengers relied on a flawed statistical analysis and denied that the university discriminated against Asian American applicants. More generally, they said race-conscious admissions policies are lawful. In the North Carolina case, the plaintiffs made a more familiar argument, saying the university discriminated against white and Asian applicants by giving 
uh, preference to black, Hispanic and Native American applicants. The university responded that its admissions policies fostered educational diversity and were lawful under longstanding Supreme Court precedents. Ah, Supreme Court precedents. Where's that federal law we were talking about? Remember? Remember Dobbs? You know, it was a precedent until until it got struck down. Um, The cases will test the newly bolstered conservative majority's commitment to precedent. And um, the possibility of a ruling would either restrict or prohibit race as a consideration in admissions, would reverberate widely across higher education and could fundamentally reshape college admissions for the years to come. So it's a big deal. This is a big deal. Uh, When it comes to opportunity, let me say it again, it's a big deal, as Joe Biden would say. All right, so I wanted you to hear directly from Ward Connerly. And my first question for Ward Connerly, after welcoming him to the conversation, was tell us about this case and how you got involved and what it is we're seeking in terms of the promises of America. Well, this is about what we call affirmative action, but in fact, it's there's very little anymore about it that is affirmative. Um, I was born in the days of Jim Crow, and and there's a C on my birth certificate, which is for colored, and colored people were presumed to be inferior in Louisiana when I was born, and that C was to make sure that I understood my place and that my society understood who the powers that be thought I was. And we decided in the mid-60s that we wanted to address this problem of Jim Crow and racial segregation, and the country embarked upon a path of providing efforts to make sure that we didn't discriminate against people. And President Kennedy initially signed an executive order that said that uh, we should pursue a path of non-discrimination. He also famously said that race has no place in American life or law. Unfortunately, he did not live to carry that out. He was assassinated. And in his uh, wake, President Lyndon B. Johnson was lobbied by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. to put some teeth into affirmative action. And he did. And he signed an executive order that demanded goals and timetables for people getting into various positions, employment. And so that system has become one of discrimination against whites and Asian Americans. And I think that is just morally wrong. And it's it's dangerous for the country to engage in this kind of race politics. It puts our country at a disadvantage in the global marketplace. And uh, for 26 years, I, as a former regent of the University of California, uh, 
have been beseeching my country to get rid of this stupid policy. And now the court is, is listening, and I pray that we'll get a favorable decision out of the Supreme Court. We, we can sort of imagine why the, the, the discrimination against white people might be tolerated uh, only because of the, the majority status. But Asian Americans are certainly a, a small minority in this country. What's the basis to discriminate against an Asian American? Well, first of all, I would anoint you as a member of the court <laughs> uh, <laughs> because this should be a slam dunk to the court. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it never is when you deal with race. The rationale really is that if we don't apply race to the equation, people of Asian descent who tend to be very studious, uh, that's the message I got when I was a regent, uh, that the whole university would look like Asians and, and they would get every seat that's there because they are more academically inclined and perform better. Ronald Reagan once said, I don't care if every seat is taken by an agent, if they've earned the right to be there. I embrace that. I think that in our system of competition, we want people to be studious and to work hard and to put their best foot forward. And they're doing it. And uh, I don't care who wins the competition, but everybody should have a fair chance to compete. So we're, we've gotten to a place where we're, we're no longer worried about uplifting those who have been denied opportunity. We're now about giving haircuts, so to speak, to those who achieve too much. You're right. You're right. Uh, we... we... We don't like merit for some silly reason. <laughs> and we're, we're willing to, to cut, our, cut off our nose to spite our face, as my grandmother often said to me. <laughs> uh, it, it makes no sense, but that's where we are. Can you comment, can you comment when, when you look at, at, at the current state of affairs? I mean, even in our own personal lives, uh, the doctor we would want, the, the accountant we would want, the lawyer we would want. <laughs> the, uh, those are folks that you want to have the best possible qualifications if they're going to perform surgery or take you to court or, or, or go over your taxes. Uh, yet we're supposed to set this aside just in, in the case of, of education. Who, who is it that's driving this in the current day? Who is it that's pushing uh, this, this march that we've been watching since at least the 70s? Uh, uh, to try to to deny the best and the brightest from being the best and the brightest? Wow, what a question. A good one. Um, It's easy to say that it's one political party or another, although it is, but you have to peel back the curtain and look who's in that political party. The Democrat Party, which has a glorious history has been taken over by the far left wing 
of that party, otherwise identified as the progressives. The progressives believe that America was founded as a white supremacist nation, and they openly admit that they want to, quote, transform America. That was the rallying cry of Senator Bernie Sanders, someone who is about as progressive as they come. When he ran for president twice, he did not succeed, but he did not fail uh, either because he is now the chair of the Senate Banking Committee, a very prized position in the Senate. And his counterpart in the House of Representatives is one Maxine Waters, mm-hmm. a an inflammatory woman who whom I have encountered on many occasions. Occasions she is a fellow Californian who is also progressive. She chairs the House Financial Services Committee. Both of those committees happen to be very powerful, very influential, that have a lot to say about what goes on in the Congress. They leverage their positions. And one of the most important priorities for progressives is to get rid of white supremacy, which I think we got rid of about a generation or two ago. And they're fighting a they're fighting a myth, but that is their canard to control the nation and to transform America. And if you believe that America is is controlled by white supremacists and you want people of color to control it, what are you going to do? You're going to go after uh, you're going to believe in affirmative action with every fiber of your being. Mm-hmm. I believe these people are genuinely uh, devoted to what they want generally. There are some some frauds in there, but generally they believe in what they're doing. just so happens that what they believe is unreal. It doesn't belong there. We have to fight this. And this is the most consequential election in my lifetime. And I was born in Jim Crow. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is it. This is, the ball game is right now uh, going into uh, the end of the ball game for those of us who believe in America as it was founded. And as we say it is in our Constitution and in the laws that we have passed. The country is on the line. There's no point that we're at right now. That's right. And as uh, as somebody who we had, uh, as somebody who we knew in common quite well, Rush Limbaugh used to say, you know, and everything is not a zero sum game. You 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 have the right and the ability to take your skills as far as you can go based on your your work ethic and your your commitment. Doesn't mean that somebody else has denied success. It just means that you've achieved success. And that's the that's the beauty. That's the miracle of America. My friend, you are so right. Rush was so right. Yep. When I started on this campaign, the first show on which I appeared was Russia's show. Mm-hmm. 
and we we had a great friendship. Didn't see him very often, often, but when I did, yeah. we were like brothers. And uh, I miss him. Me too. I miss his voice. Yep. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we can't carry forward right. with the ideals that we believe in. And I think I, I think that this is a, a moment of crisis for all of us. Mm-hmm. And we have to respond to this the way that it's expected of us. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, Ward Connerly, I so appreciate you coming and visiting with us and uh, look forward to a successful outcome and visiting with you again uh talk about this I, I really appreciate you sir and all your hard work in trying to trying to save the state of california from itself and so many other places from themselves it's uh it's great to talk to you sir it's my pleasure thank you very much ward Connerly, giving us uh, some very interesting perspective on this case that will be before the supreme court and i have no doubt uh depending on how this decision goes we will uh, we will no doubt see a, a lot of of response uh, when this decision is released, which will be in the spring of twenty three, just in advance of the uh, of the elections that we're looking at come twenty twenty four. Speaking of twenty twenty three, you know, don't forget, folks. I am going to be heading over to Italy with my uh, beloved wife, and it would not be a trip that was complete without you. And I want you to uh, absolutely do it. We're going to be living La Dolce Vita, the sweet life in Italy next June. I've got a great offer, a sweet offer for each and every one of you. The next seven couples who sign up will get $500 per couple off their trip. That's right. The next seven couples will get $500 off their trip. If you've been thinking about signing up, really, this is the time to do it. We're going to have an incredible time and it won't be complete without you reach out to my very good friends megan and deanna they're standing by give them a call here's the phone number you can ask them all the questions you want you're going to love this trip we're going to we're going to spend 10 days in italy 800-383-3131 800-383-3131 that's uh 800-383-3131 i'll tell you a bunch of stories and secrets from uh from my radio life. I'm serious. You should come on out and hang out with us. Uh, also, you can uh, check it out online, the brochure online, cruise-tour.com, cruise-tour.com. It is uh, going to be so much fun, and I can't wait to get together with each and every one of you. Well, that's going to do it for us. Uh, I am Brett Witterbull. Uh, you've been listening to Episode 7 of Devious Motives. If you want to drop me a line, feel free. Brett, with two Ts, Brett at brettwinterbull.com on Twitter at Winterbull Show and uh, anytime over at the Facebook page. I am Brett Winterbull. You're listening to Devious Motives Season 3 Episode 7. We'll talk to you next time.